Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Hello, 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 and welcome to another edition of the Niner Noise Podcast, part of the Fansided Podcast Network. My name is Robert Morrison, a contributor at NinerNoise.com, and we have with us tonight, it is not me, all by myself again. I know that that, that probably makes everybody really sad um, <laughs> that you don't get to listen to me ramble uh, and talk to myself all, all by myself, as it has been for the last week or so, um, with, uh, with Peter still, you know, trying to get used to his his new life as a, a new father. We have another uh, Niner Noise contributor with us. Um, so we have Akshaz Duvadula, and I apologize. I already messed that up. I said I wasn't going to, Akshaz, so I, I, I apologize. So don't uh, don't hate me for that. But um, <laughs> Akshaz, it's it's good to have you, man. Um, you is a, a, a f- an, another excellent contributor over at Niner Noise. Um, does a lot of great work. Um, so I'm I'm really excited to have you with us tonight to talk about uh, the Panthers game and and what you thought about it. But first of all, let me start off with an easy question: How how are you doing, man? You know what? I can't complain. As <laughs> most people who will be listening to this podcast, my week is largely determined by how well the Niners played. So uh, yeah, I'm I feeling pretty good. Injuries aside, obviously damper on. Well, yeah. it was a really dominant victory, but yeah, you know, feeling good. Yeah, good, 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 good stuff. Um, and you're in the Midwest somewhere, if I'm not mistaken. Is that is that correct? You're... That's right. I'm in Chicago right now. So nice, nice, nice. Good, good town. Um, I was just there a couple of week, couple of weekends ago. I'll be back up that that direction in a couple of weeks as well. Um, my wife's family is from from a from a town outside just outside of Chicago so uh, one of has become quickly one of my favorite cities in in the in the country as I've gotten to go there a bunch over the last couple of years but that's cool um well and did you get to go to the did you go to the monsoon game in week one or were you not <laughs> were you not I, brave enough I, I I was there I made the <laughs> unfortunate decision to wear jeans there. oh goodness and all I can tell you is when we finally got out of the stadium, we found some shelter, we were getting some lunch, and we got up from these tables in the Field Museum, which is right next to Soldier Field in Chicago. Yeah. 
I could see huge puddles of water that have formed <laughs> underneath my feet from Lovely. just all the water draining. But Lovely. I mean, it was a it was a heck of an experience. It was a lot of Niner fans. So I had a season ticket holder sit next to me. She was complaining. She was t- talking the entire time about how this is disappointing for Bears fans. Like yeah. I would expect more of them to show up. So. Niner fans travel well. It makes it always fun to go to an away game. They they do, and I, that's actually we didn't even plan that, but that's a great transition into <laughs> into the game for uh, from yesterday. Uh, I was I'm I live out, just outside of Charlotte as as we've talked about um, pretty extensively on this in this pot on this podcast. I was offering a the ha- the house next door to me that was for rent for a little while in case Garoppolo got traded out here. You know, I was gonna offer it to him to to come live next door to me for fun, but. Um, yeah, I got to go to the game. Uh, I had a friend of of, of my family's who who uh, hooked my dad and I up to go to the game. We got to sit way, way, way up in you know. There, I think there were maybe like ten rows behind us um, in the upper upper deck of uh, Bank of America Stadium. But as you noted, um, Niners fans travel well. Not only ones that that live in the Charlotte area, but my dad was talking to a guy next to us who came down from Virginia. I know lots of people fly out from the West Coast and go to all these games. I know there are various other, you know, 49ers podcasts and 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 online venues and stuff who put together traveling uh, contingencies for this group and um and this team, as you noted, travel travels well. And um, it was. Uh, not a great showing <laughs> from the, from the Panthers fans yesterday, um, both in terms of actually showing up. Uh, there were probably I don't I don't know what the estimate was. I think they th- they said something like there was maybe you know ten or twelve thousand seats that were empty, so a lot of blue seats kind of scattered throughout the place, and then a lot of red <laughs> just at, throughout the whole. Uh, venue you look down we were on the the niner side but we were above above the bench kind of closer to the the opposite in the end zone there and you could see just like a, a swath of of red you know niners fans literally right behind the bench there was times during the game and i don't i don't know if this if you could actually if this could be heard on the broadcast it would be really interesting to to go back and and look at this and and listen to it but there were times when we were the Niners fans were overwhelming anything that the Panthers fans, uh, any noise that they could make. There was, you know, chance of defense when the when the Niners were on defense. Um, the the poor Panthers team, you know, the the rep, you know, they got the the hype guys were trying their hardest, but every time they'd be like, "Get loud, get louder," and they and I and my dad and I would turn and be like, "I think that's all they got. Like that's there's literally not enough people in this building for them to get any louder." Like it was. It was a sad showing for sure, but um, kind of cool. Um, obviously, they don't get out here very often. This is only the second time. I was trying to figure out. I think it was 2016 was the last time that they were here. Um, maybe earlier than that. I, I The only placement I had on it was that it was uh, it, that Kaepernick was still on the team. It was the Kaepernick, Blake, Blaine Gabbert year. So I th- think that was Chip Kelly's year, if I'm not mistaken. That sounds um, about right. Yeah. Yeah. So like 2015, 2016, something like that. They were here. That was a week one game. Um, there was a lot of scoring. The the Panthers ended up winning. I think that was the year they went to the Super Bowl. So uh, when they finished 15 and one or something like that. But they the Niners put up a fight. Um, Blaine Gabbert 
the starting quarterback, which is a weird statement to to utter uh, at this point. But uh, thankfully, we're we're through that. Um, but uh, so, any um, I, I guess overarching thoughts about obviously the 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 game itself or or the experience of of watching it or, or anything like that that you wanted to to talk about before we get into to things that we liked about it and things that we didn't we didn't like about the game. Yeah, well, well, the first thing is that you mentioned the overwhelming nature of the Niner fans. And the moment I knew that people weren't like over like exaggerating it on Twitter was when Juszczyk got that first down reception and the stadium went juice. And I yeah. was like, oh, man, OK, they, they weren't kidding around. This is like this is actually a home game for the Niners. Yeah, it it definitely was, and there there was some there were definitely some uh, some Niner fans giving the the Panthers fans some 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 grief about it, you know, because they were all like their their big thing was that kept coming up on the screen was like defend the den, and yeah, they were they were getting a lot of grief for that because they were they were not. Now, um, the interesting thing is, I don't know how much of it is you know because having lived in in the Charlotte area for the last gosh, um, like twelve. 15 almost 15 years i guess um they're a little they the people around here tend to be a little fickle mostly because it's it's a a town of transplants not a lot of people are from here um so you do you see this when you go to to charlotte hornets games it's the same kind of thing where if they're good people will show up um if they're not very good people will not show up and they kind of will tend to you know like you go to the arena and there's nobody there kind of thing um it's obviously a different thing, you know, NFL football, there's, there's fewer opportunities for, for people to go as opposed to, you know, the 40 something uh, basketball games that they have in a season. But it is interesting. And, and I wondered it, just based on, on the Twitter of it all, um, how much of this, it was sort of a calculated move on the part of Panthers fans to kind of be like, look, we're, we're, we're done with this coaching staff. We're done with this regime. Like, so we're just not going to show up, and not only that, we're going to make money off of our <laughs> off of our tickets by selling them to Niners fans. I I don't know, maybe that seems a little conspiratorial, but it does seem, based on you know my friends who are Panthers fans who are kind of done with Matt Rule, um, that there there might have been something to that that they were just like we're we don't want to do this anymore, so we don't want to watch this. So until you get rid of that guy, we're we're just not going to show up and maybe it was a, a self-fulfilling prophecy or something like that. I, I just don't know. Um, but, you know, as it turns out, they got what they wanted as the Niners, you know, stuck the final nail in the coffin of the Matt Rule um, experience, as it were, which did not go particularly well for the the Panthers um, during his, what, two, two years and five games uh, that he survived of a six-year contract or seven-year contract or something that he signed. Mm-hmm. Um they still own like forty million dollars. Um, good, good gig <laughs> if you can get it. I guess. I would like to be hired as a, as an NFL head coach, be bad at my job, and still get paid the rest of that contract. I think that sounds like a good job to to get. There was a whole conspiracy when Jim Tom Sula got the job post Harbaugh that mm-hmm. he got the one year job, and they knew like rationally they would have to fire him but they just did it so they could give him the pillow contract and like reward him. I don't know where I read this, but uh, those people are, I mean, I don't know. I think David Tepper too, like yeah. explicitly said in like a press conference, right? It was a big issue that we had 66,000 fans at the stadium and yeah. most of them were wearing red. Yeah. Like as a, 
from what I've read about him, he's a very like proud guy, as most mm-hmm. like NFL owners are. And when you have your stadium filled up by the opposite team, like that, that means something. That tells you something. So yeah, who knows? Maybe those Panther fans really were trying to trying to change the tides of their team. Maybe, maybe, maybe there needs to be something else. Um, that another another change that I would like to see happen at, at, at Bank of America Stadium. Look at this. We're just rolling into these transitions like we've been doing this for a long time. Um, and that is the the turf situation there. Um, yeah. it, it's it's not great. And I, look, I understand why they do it. Um, so Charlotte got a MLS team this past season. Um, it's been fun. I've been able to go to pl- plenty of their their matches, their home matches. I think I went to six or seven matches this year. That was cool, and I understand the rationale of like we have two sports teams playing on the field at the same time. We're also they're also booking concerts. I think Elton John was there a couple of weeks ago. You know things like this. I understand it from a practical point of view, um, but the fact of the matter is, you know, the Carolinas are a pretty decent climate to grow grass in. It's not like it gets bitter cold here um, during football season. It's fairly tepid for the most part. Um, and even during the summer, there you can grow decent grass if you want to take care of it. But it's frustrating um, just thinking about the the injuries because this, you know, as you alluded to, as well as the game went, you know, the Niners, you know, stomped on the on the Panthers pretty effectively. You look, and there's just these little these little injuries, and this seems to be popping up every week so far um, for the Niners. If you look, there's just been one one or two guys that are getting nicked up or. Are getting really hurt for for long term injuries every week. It seems like we've we've had one, and we of course have to add uh, Emmanuel Mosley to that list, uh, confirmed to have an ACL tear that will keep him out for the rest of the season. Um, it's bad news because for one, he was playing really well. <laughs> he was having off to probably his best season so far um, as a as a pro, and even worse because he was supposed to be an unrestricted free agent when the season ended. Um, which means that he's not going to have an opportunity to probably get paid when this season is over because no one's likely to sign him to a, to a massive contract coming off of a uh, off of an injury like this. And you know, at this point in the season, it's definitely it's highly unlikely he'll be ready to to play when Week One starts in 2023, which means he's going to be on you know a pup list somewhere. Maybe he stays here because this is a place that that the that the team knows him and all that kind of stuff, but. Uh, what was what was your reaction to to that whole thing? Obviously, it's bad news, but I don't know if you have any other thoughts about Mosley. I mean, like you mentioned, I just feel bad for the guy, undrafted free agent, worked his way into like the starting lineup in 2019 by outplaying Akella Witherspoon when Witherspoon was out. Kind of like was the unsung hero of the corners. You know, Verrett was really good. Then he got hurt, and there's just the whole cascading effect, but solid CB2 all around. And he was really, really good this year. I mean, it like it fundamentally altered the defense. Mm-hmm. Everyone talks about like how good Mooney Ward has been, and he's been great. He's like you can make an argument he's he might have been the best cornerback in the league so far. But this defense was working because Mosley was taking an entire other side out of it. And I mean it's really it's really unfortunate and when i saw the injury like happen you could tell it was a turf injury like yep. the way his like foot stuck in the grass like it was just i mean i 
I, I understand the practical stuff you were mentioning, but like, and I think maybe, maybe there's a point to be made there, but I think at a certain point, right? Like you gotta get the best conditions for the players and it sucks for him. It sucks for the Niners, obviously. They are probably a little happier now that Jason Barrett's healing up and made it back <laughs> onto the field. Now, that's a whole nother thing. So, but really, I mean, it, you just feel terrible because, like you said, about to get his first big payday, like really was coming into his own as like a legitimate like star at the cornerback position. Yeah. I don't know, just an unfortunate situation. It is. Um, I mean, I was the the one sort of silver lining of this I read and I heard this somewhere else. I think Matt Mayoko said this on the 49ers talk podcast when I was listening to that this morning. The silver lining is, is that it he was probably going to play himself out of a Niners out of the Niners contract, being able to keep him around anyway. Um, if he had kept at that trajectory, there's a good likelihood that he would have been like one of the top cornerbacks available on the market this offseason. And now it seems very unlikely that he goes anywhere and that the Niners are able to keep him around. And similar to what happened with Jason Brett, you know, last off season where they're like, Hey, look, you know, the, you know, the, the building, you know, the people just, you know, stick around. And by the time you're ready to go, we'll have a spot for you. Um, so we'll see. That's still unfortunate because that means he's only going to get, you know, maybe a half of a season next year at this point, um, realistically uh, to, to really sh- you know, do something with that, with that one year deal that he's going to get. But as you know, Jason Brett coming back even now seems even more important. Um, I don't know. It doesn't, it doesn't seem like uh, Atlanta is going to be uh, the, the, the time, the time to bring him back. Obviously that's another turf situation because they're an indoor, they play sort of pseudo indoor outdoor kind of thing. Um, I think they can open up the roof kind of, kind of thing there, but uh um, I would be surprised if Verrett is uh, active for this game simply because running him out there after an ACL injury and with his proclivity for getting injured, I think running him out there in, on a bad field probably doesn't make a lot of sense. So I could see them you know, running with Ambry Thomas and DeAndre Lenore and Sam Womack and letting that group of, of players kind of work opposite Ward and, um, and letting uh, Verrett kind of have another week to get his legs underneath him. Um, and then, of course, there's Jimmy Ward. Speaking of Wards, who <laughs> poor guy um, comes back from a from a hamstring injury, plays literally the first um, the first special team snap of his season, breaks his hand, didn't realize that he broke it, went out um, for the first defensive snap of the game, and then he comes off the field. I remember seeing him. I, I, I noted noted that he was out there on the kickoff, and I was like, oh, there he is. Like, that's strange. I wonder if they're just kind of working him back in. And then I noticed that he, Deshaun Gibson, and Talano Hufanga were all out there for the start of the of the defensive snaps. And then I saw Ward come off the field immediately after the first play, and then we didn't see him again for the rest of the game. And just just a real bummer that he, has to, he broke his hand on one play. Um, it seems like there's a chance that he might still be able to play depending on what the situation with, with the surgery is, but gosh, what, I mean, he's, he's managed to keep himself relatively healthy comparatively to where he was at the beginning of the year, but this is the, you know, no pun intended, but this is a really bad break for, for Jimmy Ward coming into this, the fifth game of the season when he was supposed to be like, yeah, he's coming back. We're all good. Yeah. I mean, uh, Sean Gibson's play has kind of like made people 
not forget, but you know, you it isn't it hasn't been the whole oh my god, the 49ers defense is like absolutely lost without Jimmy because of right. like how well he's played and how well other players have played. But for Ward too, he's also in a contract year. Like that's it's it's actually it's super unfortunate and it's frankly terrible what's happening with some of these players. And you know, I think there's talk of him clubbing the hand depending yeah. on how the surgery goes as you mentioned and jimmy's a great player like him being on the field takes care of so many different things but i think not to like make light of the injury i think the 49ers are a little less concerned that he's gonna he might be missing some time again i think yeah. they think they found the formula to like mask enough of what he would bring to them and Hufanga playing the way he has been. I mean, it's just, I think they're disappointed, but they're not losing sleep over it the way they might be over Mosley's injury. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the one downside, if you look at it is clearly that first snap showed us something that they were going to do. I think probably with some thought to filling more in, for losing Aziz Alshire in that mm-hmm. position as opposed to um, and thinking, well, you know, Hufanga has some versatility in terms of being able to play closer to the line. Although if I remember correctly, I think it was Ward who was actually the one who was closest to the line of scrimmage on the one play that he was out there and Hufanga and, and Sean Gibson were actually the deep safeties on that play. Um, but I think all three of them, I mean, I know Gibson has experience playing both safety positions, Hufanga's obviously got some a little bit of that sort of, you know, downhill linebacker tendency in him as well. And then, you know, Ward has been, you know, a Swiss Army knife player throughout the entire entirety of his career. So I could definitely see that being something that they do. And if they decide, you know, he's going to play with the club on his hands, well, maybe having him back there as a deep safety is not the best option in, the, in that particular case because you're basically – He's losing a hand, which means he's not going to be able to to be an effective, like as effective in terms of like catching the ball, for example, if <laughs> if, if there's an interception opportunity. Whereas he can get up close to the line, be a you know run in, enforcer kind of a third linebacker hybrid safety kind of player. So I could certainly see him still being useful, um, even if he has to play with that club on his hand. But it's just a, again a real bummer um, to see him. <laughs> one play one defense one special teams one defensive play and that's it that was the rest the rest of his day um and then obviously the other two injuries of concern uh nick bosa didn't play the second half uh with growing tightness i could again from where we were sitting i could see him um kind of trying it out right before the second half started and then immediately noticed that he wasn't out there and it's like oh well this doesn't seem good um seems like it might have been more precautionary than anything else but with these with these types of injuries you just you just never know like because you can't do anything about it really you're just gonna have to rest it and hope that it gets better and hope that you don't do anything to make it worse so um Again, similar to with the Verrett thing, do you put him out there against Atlanta, who's not a really great team, um, in their home stadium with the turf and all that stuff? I, I don't know. I don't know what you're what you think about that, but obviously this is a concern, and you hope it's not a long term problem. You know, I was I was just thinking about that because, like, obviously as fans, we have a very different like perception of like 
oh, like this seems good, this seems bad. So, I mean, I think like I personally, based off where I think the two teams are, wouldn't play Nick Bosa. I think Shanahan said today in his presser that Bosa's injury was bad enough to where if they were practicing today, he wouldn't be able to practice. So Mm -hmm. it's clearly still an issue. And, you know, beating Atlanta is important, but you have a better chance of beating Atlanta without Bosa than you do of beating Kansas City. (laughs) Bosa's like not even close to 100%. But at the other hand, I mean, the NFL is kind of crazy this year. There's so many teams that are like parity is through the roof. So, I mean, Atlanta was uh, like a bad call away from potentially like taking down the Buccaneers. So, yeah. true, true. Yeah. It's I, it's sorry. hard. Oh, sorry, it's hard only because like like if the Niners had taken care of business against Denver, let's say Chicago, but not even Chicago. Let's throw that one away and just said taking care of business against Denver. Then I'm like, yeah, sure, rest them up. It doesn't matter. Yeah, but. They, this team has kind of lost a lot of its easy buffer because it like didn't take advantage of what was a very easy, especially now in hindsight, very easy opening schedule. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't know. I would err on the side of caution because I think they have enough to get where they need to go. And it's really important that Bosa's there when the games really do matter. But yeah. it's a tough one. Yeah, I, I think I, I agree with that generally. but. Um... That's certainly something that one of those situations where I'm glad it's not my job to make those decisions. Right. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and then, of course, the last one is um, Robbie Gold, who goes down. I, I don't even know what to say about all that. That just that was just some awful stuff. Um, yeah, he's got a knee contusion. I believe it's on his non kicking leg, um, if I'm not mistaken, which is, you know, the plant leg. So I think still important. I'm, I don't kick the ball for a living but i feel like mechanically speaking both legs are probably pretty important um he he didn't again after it happened saw him kind of wandering around um took a couple of practice kicks on the on the netting seemed okay and then it was just like okay well he's done which again i guess is partially precautionary like why we don't need to run him out there anymore at this point um, you know, we'll go for two if we need to. Um, although Wisnowski did make that uh, extra point later in the game, so that was that was nice. Um, I think they'll definitely definitely bring in some some kickers to try out this week. But the my my concern, and this is just sort of a general thing. This doesn't necessarily have anything to do with gold or or, or not. Is that they're they're really starting to 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 brush up against the the IR rules because they can they can only bring back so many players, right? Mm-hmm. Eight from the from the IR list. I think it's eight. Is that right? It's something like that. Um, I don't remember what the exact number is, but they it can't keep adding players to the injured reserve list and thinking they're going to continue to bring them back. Because if you start naming off the list of players that are on the short term IR, if you think about Elijah Mitchell, if you think about Aziz Alshire, if you think about um, Colton McKivitz, if you think about certain names, and you start adding to this list, um, you know, Ty Davis Price is never made it there so that's that's part of what's going on i think with that the calculus of you know why don't you put ty davis price on on 
on IR? Well, it's because we can't be bringing back everybody who's getting hurt in the first five weeks of the season. You know, Tyler Croft has never gone on IR. Trent Williams hasn't gone on IR. They've, they're doing this. But the problem is, like, with the roster restraints, like, can you afford to, like, hopefully Robbie's okay because he's actually, you know, pretty good at what he does. And so that's that's good. Um, but also because we don't want to put ourselves in a situation where we have to put him on on IR, sign another kicker, and, and all this other stuff. So, um, and then the, the circumstances of it are, are obviously very annoying, <laughs> to say the least. Yeah, for sure. Um, I think you hit on, like, the main point, which is the IR stuff. Like, it's insane to me that Trent Williams isn't on IR. In a normal, like, injury season for the 49ers, where you don't have everyone falling, like, like down i think he would go on ir but they're really like running this really fine line and i think they put robbie on ir just because i can't imagine them finding like a way to find a player that isn't a kicker (laughs) and be like simply because our kicker is hurt you can't you like we'll cut you from the roster like that's just that would be insane to me. I also have a bit of a conspiracy theory, just a tiny bit. I like that. It. I think because Robbie's had two kicks blocked now this year, mm-hmm. which is two more than should be blocked, just like in general. And mm-hmm. I think it's part of like my guess, and I'm not I've never been a kicker. I barely <laughs> know how kickers like kick the football so maybe i'm totally off i think it's because his like his age is catching up to him and he's like it's getting to a point where he keeps it low in part because that's how he can get like the force necessary to like actually hit it from a reasonable distance which isn't a huge deal most of the time but you know sometimes it can get swatted down if just something goes wrong just a tiny bit but I don't know. I was just thinking about that when it got blocked because that was a low line drive. Yeah. And, you know, he, I mean, what's it called? He basically can't kick past 50 anymore because of like his age. So this might be the next step. Maybe. Um, I think this is the last year of his contract too. So that would be, that would be okay. But um, I can, I can explain a little bit. I can, I can tell you for sure because they kept showing the block on the big screen after it was over. Um, Charlie Warner somehow ended up in a situation where he was blocking two guys at the same time um, on the left-hand side of the of the line, which is not ideal. Um, and so that's kind of how that started, or at least how the the guy who made the block was able to kind of break um, break through was the fact that Charlie was trying to block two guys. Um, I don't remember who was next to him. I want to say it was Brunskill, but I'm not sure. Um, and I don't want to defame the man if it wasn't if it, that's not an accurate statement. But whoever was next to him did not slide over correctly to help. Um, <laughs> I don't know if it was an overload or what, but Warner was definitely in no man's land there and didn't any. I mean, he made an effort like he sort of was in front of the other the one guy and kind of tried to reach out. But obviously, there's only so much you can do in that particular situation without committing a holding penalty and so he was I, I don't know what what else he could have done there so I, I that's an interesting thought though that that you know as age I mean that makes sense that as age kind of catches up with you that you have less 
power behind your ability to do things. So I'll, I'll, I'll jive with that. So we'll see what happens. But Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of plan investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. All right, well, that's a lot of we we've we spent way too much time talking about bad things like injuries, um, mm-hmm. and that makes me very sad. Um, mm-hmm. So I, I hopefully we can stop talking about these at some point. That'd be that'd be super. Um, so I want to just talk about we we should be we should be talking about good things, right? Because we just smashed the Panthers in their own stadium and outnumbered them, you know, three to one quite easily. I would say. Um, so what I would like to do is take the last bit and just kind of to talk a little bit about something that you liked, something that you didn't like. So we'll, we'll, we'll go back and forth a little bit. So I'll start with you. Good, sir. And tell me one thing that you liked about the game. It can be a player. It can be, you know, a, a unit of, you know, a section of the team, whatever it is that, that you liked and talk about, you know, what did you like and why'd you like it? So obviously I love this 49ers defense and I think they deserve the entire, like, all the credit in the world for their play on Sunday. But the thing I liked the most from the game was Jimmy Garoppolo. Beyond a couple throws that I think are just like the way it goes with Jimmy, where he kind of airs it a little bit or he misreads something and you're like, oh, maybe that wasn't a good idea. He was like on it. I mean, 
His throws under pressure were perfect. That missed pass to Ayuk, especially. That was like, that was actually a perfect pass. And Ayuk just misjudged the ball. And I think generally he was really efficient. He was really like smart with the football. He got it to his players when he needed to. He got like, he got hosed a couple times with some drops and like Kittle's fumble that took away from what could have been an even bigger game for him. But, you know, we've talked a lot, unfortunately, because of Trey Lance's injury, about things we've talked about in the past, which is what does Jimmy Garoppolo's level need to be for this 49ers team to be like a Super Bowl contender, to like actually win it all? And if he plays like he did against Carolina the rest of the season, I think they're right up there. I honestly think this team not only can, but could be considered, hopefully with all the non-season ending injuries, like getting resolved. (laughs) So big ask. Yeah. But (laughs) I think this team could be considered one of the like favorites to win it all. Because if your quarterback can get the ball to your weapons, like he was doing against the Panthers, that's, that's a hard thing to stop. Yeah. Agreed. I mean, I think, I mean, even, 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 you know, Jimmy from last week would, would be fine. Um, I think, I think he was a lot better on Sunday against the Panthers than he was against the Rams. He was, you know, fine against the Rams and he did the job of holding onto the ball. And that ultimately is what we need from him. I mean, Peter and I have talked about this repeatedly. If, you know, if, if this defense is going to be this good, um, throughout the year and i think they've they've pushed their their points per game total up over 10 which is just remarkable um <laughs> but uh that that were that were scoffing at that but it that is the way that it is this this team doesn't have to you know put up they don't have to score 37 points or actually score 30 points um on on sunday but you know if they can score 20 to 24 points a game they're probably going to be in most of game, most of the games that they played, um, and if you look at, they've won three games, and in those three games, they've scored 27, 24, and 37 points. Now I have to take take slight away from that, and say that the offense has actually scored, you know, 30 and uh, what was that, 17 over the last two weeks because the defense has been responsible for two touchdowns. Um, but you know, they've scored enough points to to get the job done, while though their defense is has held their opponent with, you know, under certain number of points. And, you know, other than the, the Bears game, they've they've kept teams out of out of the end zone by and large. I mean, the only other touchdown that the defense has allowed. Um, so they, they gave up one of the Broncos and one of the Panthers outside of the, the Broncos game. Those are the only two touchdowns that are outside of the Bears game. Those are the only two touchdowns this defense has allowed. So as you know, that Garoppolo doesn't need to be great. But he needs to be right on that. He needs to be care- taking care of the ball, and he needs to be efficient. Um, and that's what he was on Sunday. And um, I, I, I think if this is the Jimmy we get, then I think this, this team's going to be okay moving mm-hmm. forward and should be considered among the, the elite in the NFC, especially an NFC that at this point, man, just looks like steaming hot garbage, to be totally honest with you. Um <laughs> I mean, are yeah. any is anybody good? Like Philadelphia is probably good, but have they played anybody yet? I don't know. Um, you know, I mean, you could say the same thing about the Niners too. Their schedule has not been the the most difficult. Um, so, you know, talk to me after you know week ten when they've played Kansas City 
and the Chargers, and then we'll maybe have that conversation in a little more detail. But yeah, I mean, I think the NFC is really, really wide open, and if the Niners can get consistent quarterback play, then why can't? Why not them? Why not them? Yeah, I mean, I think not to like think too far into the future, but when the playoffs comes, right? Every single year, the 49ers under Shanahan have been there, which is only two years. So I don't know why I said every single year, like I was about to run off. Every of year, except for those three years. they. <laughs> I think like the defense has been quite good. It's won them games. It's been phenomenal. But we always get to the point where the offense needs to make a play, right? And whoever you blame for it, and I know there's way too much discussion about it, <laughs> it doesn't happen, right? And I think this version of Jimmy Garoppolo makes those plays happen. That doesn't mean he's like Josh Allen or Mahomes or Herbert or anyone else who's basically an alien playing quarterback. But if you can if you can make that like one key play in the fourth quarter that ices the game, this team will be like golden. And you know, we've been down this road before where Garoppolo plays well and everyone's like, oh, this is why he was like a franchise QB and everyone wanted to trade for him. And you always get reminded like, okay, like, no, this is actually who he is, right? Yeah. So I don't know. I, I was cautiously optimistic. I think the Falcons game might not say a whole lot about anything, but I think when he played this Chiefs, it's going to be a really big like indication on Garoppolo yeah. because – that defense is Kansas City's defense isn't like elite, but it's pretty good. And more importantly, it's going to be I think the first game where you can't like rest on the 49ers defense, like holding yeah. a team to seven points, scoring like a touchdown on their own, causing like 12 three and outs. Right, the offense is going to need to carry its weight, and I think yeah. that's when we're going to know. All right, what's going to happen when we get to the playoffs and everything gets a little tighter? Agreed. Agreed. Um, yeah, totally on board with that. Um, so the thing that I liked, uh, pretty pretty simple. You said the the defense obviously continues to be basically the the best defense in the NFL. Um, but I really wanted to highlight uh, specifically the the rushing defense. They were they were doing quite well heading into this game, but they somehow lowered um, their average yards allowed per carry um, heading into the uh, coming out of this game than they were. Uh, before they got there. I think they were sitting at like 3.4 yards per attempt uh, coming into the game. They're now sitting at a whopping three yards per attempt given up on the ground. And I just got to go, like, how is that even possible? Like, I mean, I know this is a this is not a throwing, this is not a running league anymore and, and that whole thing, but three yards per attempt is just dumb. Like, <laughs> That's that's ridiculously low. Uh, they held the the Panthers to 17 carries for 64 yards. Um, Christian McCaffrey was particularly um, inefficient, I would say. He had 14 carries for 54 yards. Um, 19 of those came on one on his one touchdown run. So if you take that away, um, it's you know 13 for what is that like 30 something yards. Um, now, obviously, they had to get away from it as they were, as the game kept falling, getting away from them further and further. But um, the the rushing defense is has been, you know, revelatory. I think in a lot of ways. Now, obviously, the defense across the board is is fantastic. Um, they still are first in 
in terms of only having allowed two uh, touchdown passes so far this season. Uh, again, like crazy stuff, but that rushing yards per attempt allowed that that number just kind of jumps out at you. And, and I really wanted to highlight it because it's just it's it's just nuts <laughs> like to only allow three yards per carry um, is is crazy. <laughs> you know, I think I don't know what's going on, but we have incredible segues because I was actually going to say the thing I disliked from the game <laughs> was the rushing defense. Oh, interesting. And, you know, I'm looking at the stats, and the numbers look a lot worse than I think the game felt. Yeah. I think, I don't know exactly what it was, but it felt like the Panthers were getting, like, a pretty consistent interior push on the rushing attack. And it felt, and this might also be me confirming my priors a little bit with Armstead and Kinlaw both out. So I was expecting to see that, so I looked into it more. But... It's really nitpicky, but I think this defense is good enough to where, like, nitpicky is okay. Yeah. And, you know, the Panthers are not all that good. And, <laughs> I mean, but, uh, let's just <laughs> – I don't think I'm saying anything crazy here. They're not a good football team. That's why they fired their head coach. And McCaffrey is one of the best backs in the league. But there wasn't, there's nothing, like, super exotic happening when the no. Panthers are running the football, right? And I just, I think I was a little concerned with how when the Panthers really leaned into running the ball, it felt like they were able to, like, hit some yardage. Yeah, I yeah. think it was a lot more like their game script was just odd. So mm -hmm. they could never get into, like, a consistent rhythm with it all. And then when you're down, like, two touchdowns, you're not going to run the ball that much. So I'm just I'm really interested in seeing how the rushing defense stacks up in future games without Armstead and Kinlaw because yeah. I think if there's a place to attack this defense, it's there right now. And you know, the linebackers, Greenlaw and Warner are really, really good. And they clean up a lot of stuff, but I'm a little I'm a little concerned that if what I saw yeah. with the Russian like defense, like the push on the interior, you go against like a person like Andy Reid who knows how to like actually get his running backs in space and create like ways to attack defensive lines in a way other play callers might not be able to. Yeah. We see some huge numbers come up. For sure. Yeah. And I, I think looking at it again, you know, McCaffrey's long was that was the touchdown. That was 19 yards. DJ Moore only ran the ball one time, but it was eight yards. Um, even this is, this is so strange. <laughs> so Donta Foreman, had um, two carries for two yards, but a long of five. So kind of weird. Um, but, you know, the, as you say, those are kind of those those long numbers. So each of those, they only had 17 rush attempts in the whole game. But three of those were three of those carries were were five, five plus yards. Um, so there were certainly some times where you're just like, OK, it feels like they're they're getting more yardage than they than it feels like they should be. And. Um, so it is certainly something to pay attention to, especially if Kinlaw and Armstead are going to be missing, uh, for any further extended time. Obviously Armstead will be, cause he's another one on that list. I missed him when I was going through, I knew I was going to miss somebody when I went through the, the list of, uh, of, uh, players there on the, on the injured reserve list. But, um, that's, 
you know, something to, to watch out for, for sure. Um, cool. So your, so your, that's funny that your thing that you didn't like was my thing that I did like. So there we go. Uh, funny how that, how that works. My, um, thing that I didn't like was Robbie Gold having to make tackles. Um, <laughs> because obviously it's bad when your kicker is, uh, having to make tackles. He is, you know, clearly not, not built to be doing that thing. Um, he's just, you know, kind of a wispy, wiry kind of guy and, uh, should not be making tackles. I wouldn't actually even really call the thing that he was doing tackling anyone so much. It was just kind of like putting himself in the way of the return man and stopping his forward momentum so that somebody else could come and kind of actually make the tackle. Um, but I, I don't like it in any way, shape or form. Um, obviously the fact that he got hurt makes it worse. Um, but I, I wouldn't have liked it anyway, simply because the indication of the fact is that that just means that the special teams units were not doing their job um, in terms of covering those kicks. And you mentioned um, uh, the two blocked uh, uh, field goals that we've had so far this year, one in this game um, against the Panthers, and then one that led to the only score for the Seahawks in week two. Um it's concerning, uh, especially because the Niners were very specific about um, hiring a new special teams coordinator, and they brought in guys like Oren Burks and um, George Odom and Ray Ray McLeod and these sorts of guys who were supposed to be specifically here to make the special teams unit better. Um, now, I don't know what impact those three guys have on uh, kickoff coverage, not kickoff coverage, but but the kick protection on field goals. Um, but I'm certain that Burks and Odom are both on the kick return um, coverage teams, and the fact that that they were able to to get those those kicks um, in in well deep into their own territory. Um, that was Raheem Blackshear who had seven returns for 200 yards. Uh, it's 28.6 average. Um, 48 was the long. So that's it's not what you want to see um, by any stretch of the imagination. And hopefully it's something that they can clean up because, as you said, um, in a situation where your team, where you watch your team win 37 to 15, um, it's mostly nitpicky stuff. But that's that's important. Like and a, a better team will take advantage of that. I mean, they did score their only their only touchdown um, of the game off of a long uh off of a long kickoff return uh so that shortens the field and when your defense is as good even with your with your defense as good as this one you're putting them in a bad situation if the defense only or if the offense only has to go you know 52 yards down the field or whatever um uh, so certainly something to watch out for but i'm i didn't like it in this particular situation because of the injury that it led to but also because why is this still not better? It's kind of where I am at this at this point. Yeah, I mean, I was I was really disappointed because for the first four games, even though I think the DVOA for the 49ers special teams was at 28th in the league, yeah, it felt like it felt like they had turned a corner everywhere but field goals, and that felt like it would like course correct. Maybe it won't, but this was really bad. This was like. Richard Hightower era special teams where you knew something was going to mess up somewhere. And it's these like small things. I think you mentioned that a good team will take advantage of this hidden yards that special teams provides are so instrumental in like football and the returns are a huge deal that like 
if it wasn't for like the amazing nature of the 49ers defense that could have flipped the game entirely like that mm-hmm. by itself is enough to just like change a game but it's also like returns right getting an extra three or four yards here tackling a punt returner before they get three or four yards pinning someone deep all these small things are so important and they add up and i was really disappointed too i thought you know it was just like sloppy and i don't know i i don't think there's a good like justification for it i don't think it should happen in the future and you know i think it'll get better mostly because it i thought it had it had been pretty good beforehand, but yeah, you know, who knows? This could be as long as I think my one thing is as long as the returns are fine. I think the biggest issue the 49ers had on like special teams last year was that they gave up so many yards and like just by not like returning punts. Yeah. Just like walking like five steps forward after a punt and it's a little bit of hyperbole but honestly that's what it felt like at times it was just like it was a mess and it was like they were giving up so many yards so i've liked the change there i didn't like like you mentioned what happened with robbie getting hurt that's inexcusable i think charles davis on the broadcast actually made a big point of it you should never like the special teams coach will always be like we should never be in a position to where a kicker has to make a tackle and Right now, we'll see where it goes next week. Yep. 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 For sure. Cool. Um, all good notes for sure. So, um, I mean, I, the, the, it it should be said again. This was a, this was a, a a game where the Niners pretty pretty well dominated the game. Um, I think obviously Emmanuel Mosley's pick six to close out. The first half was very much the turning point. I, I don't know about you, but I'm we're we're sitting there. It's ten to three, you know, about a minute left to go in the half, and I'm like, gosh, this are we doing this again? Like, we're doing this like small little seven point lead heading into halftime, even though we've just thoroughly dominated this team. Um, and I think that was the moment when Mosley scores that interception, and it's seventeen to, to three instead of instead of ten to three going into halftime. And and that was the moment where I kind of exhaled a little bit and was like, okay, I don't I don't think they have enough to come back from this. Just just to be honest, like um, mm-hmm. up to that point, I was it felt a little bit like the Broncos game. It felt a little bit like the Bears game minus the monsoon, where it's like we're letting a bad team hang around and we're not doing enough on offense, and it's really frustrating to watch them do this. And that was the moment where it flipped, and I was like, okay. I'm fine. We're, I, I, I don't have any concern that we're going to lose this game at this point. And then when they scored, you know, 20 more points in the second half and everything was okay. Um, I don't know what, what you thought about that just kind of as a, as a closing thought for, for the, for the podcast. Oh yeah. When Mosley scored that touchdown, I was like, we won. Even when McCaffrey like scored again, I wasn't even concerned for a second. Yeah. It was just like, I mean, it fundamentally, it changed everything. It wasn't only, I think, like the touchdown is a huge part of it, but I think it was just how demoralizing it was for like the Panthers offense. Mayfield like pumps that and then airmails it. There was pressure in his face. I mean, it was like the epitome of everything that had gone wrong for them in one play. Mm. You know, I mean, they put up a decent effort in the sec early parts of the second half, but luckily the offense was able to like figure it out and not like 
take the foot off the gas and turned out to be a real easy win. And like you mentioned, we should really emphasize the Niners like won this game. This was on yeah. like a, oh, you know, they barely snuck by. We should question like the talent on this team. No, no, they did what good teams do. They dominated a bad opponent in like humiliating fashion. This is the type of stuff that like tells you, all right, this team is legit. Yeah, agreed. Um, and you know, something they should have well done against, you know, the Bears and against Denver. Um, Denver, a team that I was kind of like flip floppy on towards I I was like, they might be pretty good, but they might be the worst team in a in a really good division. Um, that might be an understatement at this particular point, but that's neither here nor there. Um, yeah, I mean, this the, the I, I guess the frustrating part in this we can sort of finish on this is that they're three and two and they're in first place in the division, um, you know, by a full game, and then they own the tiebreaker at this particular juncture by, by merit of being two and zero oh in the division. But this should be a five and zero oh team. I think that's the really that's the the one point you look at this and you go, they should be five and zero. Oh. Four and one at worst. Like if you throw out the the week one game because of the weather and all that stuff, like they should be four and one at worst, and we should not be having this conversation about you know the fact that they're three and two and yada yada. But um, you know, I, again, like I like I already said, the, the NFC being what it is, there doesn't seem to be like a team that's standing out heavily. I mean, Philadelphia has been good so far, but. Whether or not that has the legs to to kind of carry them through the rest of the season and into the playoffs remains to be seen. Um, so I think the Niners are certainly in that that conversation. Um, and there's a lot of weird things like the Giants are four and one. I don't know. Um, it's a world. It's it's a world that we live in. Such as such as things are. I don't I don't know how these things happen. Um, but that's 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 the NFC right now. It's yeah. hard to hard to predict. We're reaching the point where a couple of weeks away from where these like crazy feel good stories become like, okay, this is kind of legit. That, yeah. I mean, that's my only like concern is teams lose bad games. It happens. Right. And, but, and you're like, I've never been thinking the Niners are screwed because they're really talented. The assumption is that they'll figure it out and they have to mm-hmm. some extent, right. Three and two, hopefully four and two against Atlanta heading into a difficult, but not unwinnable section in their like schedule. But you just get to the point where you don't want to be in a situation where they were in like last year where, you know, they lose some really, really winnable games. I think the one against the Titans really stands out and you barely make it, you squeeze into the playoffs by virtue of like what you have to, what you've done before. I don't know if that'll be the case this year. There are a lot of issues in the NFC West. So as long as they take care of business, they should be fine. But, you know, pretty soon we're going to start to see which teams are for real. And a lot of the advanced stats say the Niners should be up there. And I think almost everyone would agree that this is one of the few teams that could legitimately win the Super Bowl. But until they start stacking even more wins, I think – they said this quote on the broadcast from Bill Parcells, you are what your record says you are. Mm-hmm. Yeah, true, true. I think Matt Rule said that on his way out too. Uh, <laughs> he's, he's now unemployed, so there you go. Um, 
Cool, cool. Um, well, Akshash, I want to thank you so much for for joining me tonight. It's been a, a great uh, conversation um, chatting with you. Um, I always appreciate your uh, your knowledge and your your thoughts about this team. So any old time you want to come back is uh, good with me. Um, so I'll, I'll definitely keep you in the loop as, as far as where things are going. Um, but yeah, man, any, any final thoughts before we close things up? Well, I just wanted to say thank you so much for having me on. I've always wanted to do a podcast episode at one point. So this is a bucket <laughs> list item crossed off. Oh, there you go. Go Niners. Yeah, man. Well, cool. Um, well, uh, again, thanks for, for being here and, uh, thanks to you out there in uh, listener land uh, for listening to this episode of the Niner Noise podcast, part of the fan-sided podcast network. As always, please continue to check out NinerNoise.com for all your latest 49ers news and analysis from, you know, both of the people on this podcast. We tend to write from time to time. And be sure to rate and subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen. And, of course, share it with all your fellow 49er fan friends. So until next time, let's sound the horn, 49ers. know how to book flights and hotels all you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive that's why you need viator book guided tours excursions and more in one place there are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from so you can find something for everyone and viator offers free cancellation and 24 7 customer support for worry-free travel download the viator app now and use code viator 10 for 10 percent off your first booking in the app find travel experiences for you do more with viator without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running everything would suddenly stop Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.